Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bellitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday of Easter for the week of May 5th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are continuing this journey of Christ coming back and Christ seeing and revealing himself to us in so many different ways. And I think this week, it's such a unique and awesome way that he is doing it with talking about for us what is a calling and what is he calling us to do. And I think it's something that we don't often think about enough is thinking about how Christ and our goals maybe don't always align immediately, yet the most satisfaction that we find in life comes from aligning those goals. But before we get into this week's podcast, I want to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their discussions, their commentaries, it's just great. Great content when you are dealing with seminary professors of Caroline Lewis, Ralph Jacobson, and Matt Skinner. It helps anybody to be able to learn to comprehend and to listen to some great preachers being able to discuss these texts. I would highly, highly recommend them. And one final thing before we get into this week's podcast, we have to kind of look back to where we came from from last week. The Twitter question was, where are you needing reaffirmation or to be reaffirmed in your faith? Where are we needing to be reaffirmed or that gentle nudge from Christ or in our daily lives? And I think it's one of those things that we always are looking for that. We're a people, and kind of like we talked about last week, we are people who constantly need that reaffirmation. We constantly need that push from something outside of ourselves to be able to help us along the way, help us realize and cultivate the different ideas and feelings that we have, that we aren't alone. That sense of being alone is something that I think we struggle with probably the most of anything, that Where is there someone else here in my time of need that there's somebody to help me in that time? And to get to these places, I did get one response. And the comment that they had, and I would agree, it's those moments when we're able to actually slow down, to get to those places where we're away from things and actually just slow our bodies down enough to listen. And I was actually in a fascinating conversation last night talking similarly about how we love being distracted by different things and getting things in the way to us actually being able to sit and contemplate. And I think it's one of these things that for whatever reason in the culture that we have now, is it our super amazing pocket computers or is it that we have this urge to feel like we're not doing something and sometimes not doing something is the best thing that we can possibly do. And so the question in a way that becomes out of that is, are we as scared of looking like we're not doing something? And I would agree and I would say yes. I think there's a lot of times we're scared of what people perceive us to be and doing nothing And I think there's a lot of times that God is in those times, in those moments. And so when we're looking for reaffirmation, it's a lot of times in those moments of quiet and self-reflection. 
So, on to this week's text. The gospel text is from John, the 21st chapter, verses 1 through 19. And this is an interesting story. There's a lot of little tidbits to this that I think are actually quite interesting in and of themselves. So, you have Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples are out fishing. And they've been fishing all day. Jesus appears on the shore, tells them to cast their nest on the other side after not catching fish all night. They have an amazing haul that they caught a large number of fish, 153 of them to be exact, coming from verse 11. But we have this weird thing, I think, at least, and I want to at least kind of bring out is out of verse 7, where Peter then realizes it is the Lord, and he's been naked fishing, and so he puts clothes on to jump into the sea to run back to Jesus. They're not that far out, but I think it's still kind of interesting, and to me, it at least causes some ideas and reflections back to Genesis, where Adam and Eve are scared when God is walking in the garden and that they need to clothe themselves because they were naked after they ate from the tree of forbidden fruit. So I think it's an interesting correlation. So Jesus and Peter then are frying some fish on the shore, and Jesus keeps asking him this question of, do you love me? And the first two being this agape love, and then Jesus responds with, feed my lambs. The second time he says, tend my sheep. And the third time being after Peter has affirmed him that, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. And this is kind of like a bro-like love. And that's when Jesus had asked him this kind of bro-like love. And Jesus then responds with that, with feed my sheep. And this is kind of the call story, if you want to call that, of Peter, of him going to found what we know now as the church coming out of that. The first reading is from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, optionally 7 through 20, and I would say if you have the time and space, go 7 through 20. This is where Saul is talking about his kind of call into discipleship story, where he is persecuting the Jews, he is on the road to Damascus, The Lord approaches him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Coming from the end of verse 4, he responds to the Lord, but he is blinded. And he goes then to a place and starves himself, going through a fast, and is in prayer. The disciple Aeneas is called then by the Lord to go to this man, Saul of Tarsus, that he's been praying and to lay his hands on him. Aeneas, he's a little concerned because he's heard about the things that this man has done and the Lord reassures him. And so then he goes and essentially kind of gives a blessing to Saul, who then becomes Paul. And the scales on his eyes, as it says in verse 18, fall off his eyes and he goes to become baptized. And this begins 
Paul's ministry. The psalm this week is Psalm 30, verses 1 through 12. And again, it's, remember, we're still in that Easter season, so we still have these celebration overtones. The weeping may linger, but your joy comes with the morning that the Lord is there to maintain us, to carry us through. verse I quoted was coming from the end of verse 5 that the Lord is a helper, the Lord is there as long as we are willing to call upon his name and willing to spend the time and work with him in that. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. And again, this is one of those most hopeful books, especially if you're reading all the way through it. And this is John's vision of what's coming as the hope at the end of our lives. And again, it goes through how the multitudes will be singing praise, the multitudes giving praise to God and saying amen and singing in the quote coming from verse 13, to the one seated on the throne and the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And with then the amen coming at the end. And it's something for me as a kind of a side tangent here, If you ever get the opportunity to go up in a hot air balloon, I think there's something about it when you get not airplane level high, but just above the treetops. There is something about trees reaching toward the sun that to me was very spiritual, if you want to put it that way, that reaching, that desire that trees have, and especially that we call our sun the sun. And that desire to be reaching toward this, that we're getting energy to convert it from the light energy into food for the tree to grow. And I think there's a lot of metaphors there within our own faith life that you could definitely use. But I think it also kind of helps exemplify when you're in that to understand that what are the birds singing for? Yes, the science reason being that it's for mating and territory and all that. But is it also a song of praise? And I think it's something that to contemplate, to consider, something that's often overlooked. But that's not the main point of what I want to get to this week. I think the main thing that we have to understand, and it's tying a lot of the gospel text in the first reading together this week, is first contemplating and figuring out why is Peter back fishing? Remember, this isn't that far after the crucifixion. And so there's a couple ideas is, is Peter just trying to get away from everything and that he's seen the risen Lord. He was there when Thomas was there and is just having a hard time rationalizing it and and getting his head around it. So what do we do in these times when we're trying to understand something that we don't understand? We go to our comfort spot. We go to a place that we're comfortable to think, to reflect, to just get our mind off of it for a while, to essentially let our brains process it in the background. So he's fishing. And then we get this call story from Jesus where he has different plans. The other one that was interesting that I picked up from tech study this week is, is this Simon Peter's kind of, well, this was a dream. This is the opportunity that we had was great, but I'm going to go back to what I was doing as the dream is dead. I need to figure out some way to figure out a living while I'm figuring out what I'm doing next with my life. And either way, I think that's interesting that how often we resort back to what's comfortable. And I think there's so many times within our own lives 
Christ calls us to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that isn't always the easiest thing to do. I I reflect with what the disciple Ananias is having to do here, where he does not want to go and meet Saul because Saul has been so persecuting the Jews, persecuting the Christians so much. And the Lord just saying, trust me, this is going to be okay. Simon Peter, where Jesus then calls him and how much do you love me? And essentially, when our word of love doesn't have the right vocabulary, that Christ is trying to get this agape, deep love, and Simon Peter at this moment can't give him that. So the reaffirmation that he's able to give is that I love you like a brother. That's what I can give you at this time. But the Lord continues to tell him, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. This idea of continuing to care and In a way, as we know from the rest of where scripture goes, it's this redirection on what goes on with Simon Peter's life as he begins to be one of the foundation pieces to the church. And if you look at the last two weeks, Thomas being a foundational piece of the church in India and Peter then becoming kind of the foundation to what we know as kind of, I would say, the European church. And then that area that he helped push that forward. So how does this all tie to science? And I had to think deeply, but I think it's a lot on who are you? Who am I? What does that mean? And one of the things that is kind of a story that kind of gets echoed in science circles actually quite a bit. And I'll find something down below or at least try to find the contrasting stories here on how science is applauded and how science is rejected. And what I mean by that is take smartphone innovation or some type of computer technology. We get all these positive things and look at the processor is 30% faster. It's able to do this faster. The software allows it to do this and that and but da 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 da. And it's all improvements and it's applauded. But the moment that a scientist has some negative news talking about that there might be something that we have to adjust our perception, adjust how we perceive something, do something, such as when we're finding issues with our climate and finding that there's a warming trend and the possible damages that could be coming from that. And yet we have large sections of the population who reject that hypothesis, reject that study, even though there's substantial amount of time, work, and effort that has gone into that hypothesis, along with multiple studies to support that hypothesis, we find that the general population, there is still a substantial amount of people who reject that hypothesis because science has been wrong before and it's probably there could be something that they're just not taking into consideration yet there will be some of these people that when they buy a smartphone or buy some type of technology there isn't any question that there's the phone or whatever piece of tech is going to do what it was designed to do It's one of the frustrating things is when you choose some of these fields, there are certain fields that people just know that 
the amount of praise that you're going to get for whatever your work is that you do will be minimal. The amount of accolades where people are going to accept whatever you have found are minimal. And it's amazing how we will contemplate and think about and push these ideas and saying, well, I can accept this part of science, but I can't accept this part of science, even though they have similar support systems. Think about how long it took us to realize that DDT in the 50s and 60s was actually having a damaging effect on the environment. We were obsessed and consumed with the idea of how much that was taking care of insects and different nuisances that we overlooked the potential cost, the potential damage that it would leave in the ecosystem. And I can find a link down below. In a way, the environment still hasn't recovered. Bald eagle eggs are still thinner today than they were pre-DDT, though it's close, but it's still not the same. We get obsessed, get focused. What we perceive as noise, we ignore information that at times is opposite of what we believe, what we think. And we want these echo chambers of just reaffirmation, like last week, these parts of us to just continue to push us forward. But yet, is that really what God is wanting us to do? Peter goes through this amazing, hard transition, watching someone that he has followed around for three plus years, who has been a very close friend, who has talked about these amazing things, even these transformative things, that it's transforming culture, and he disappears, he dies. And yet, even with him reappearing, can you imagine what Simon Peter is going through? Can you imagine the questions that are running through his own head? What does this mean? What do I do? Thomas wasn't with us. Jesus appears. I tell him he appears. Suddenly, he comes back again. But is he dead? Is he not? I've seen him resurrect people from the dead, but can he do that for himself? And if that's the case, and he's now talking about going on to do something else, what does that mean for me? What do I do when he's not here? How do I figure all this stuff out? Does this not sound like a teenager? Does this not sound like a teenager questioning what the heck they're supposed to do in their life? And I think there's a point where we think that that's a temporary stage in our life, that this is something that we deal with as a teenager in our early 20s, and after that, we don't really wrestle with this nearly as often. But is that really the truth? Is that really the summation of what faith is about, that we put that aside, we suddenly don't deal with it anymore? Because I think what we can see here from Simon Peter's story and what we can see here from Saul's story, that is not the case. There are times where we are going to be persecuted against. There's going to be times when our own faith is questioned. There are going to be times when it doesn't make sense, but God calls us into a new direction, into a new part of ministry. How often we get distracted with this is what I know when God is maybe saying, I want you now to use what you know, but in something totally different. This is not easy stuff. This is not stuff that just happens overnight. 
But yet, we find it as a common story throughout humanity. The story of me finding myself suddenly being a youth minister is not one that I suddenly just think it just happened. It was through speaking in this podcast, through firing in a job, through looking for months for science jobs that were going to work for what I was perceiving my life to be and realizing that that wasn't the case. And I don't think that my story is really that unique because when you look around and talk to people, how often you will hear people who had goals, aspirations, these different things, and they will talk about how God had other plans. God had other plans for Saul to become Paul and arguably one of the best disciples of Jesus And he had a plan for Simon Peter that after his crucifixion and his death, that the story was not over, that it was just really beginning. There was so much more to be written. How often we yet forget these things and think that we have it all figured out. So the Twitter question this week, what is God calling you to do? That's it. What is God calling you to do? And really reflect on that because we often think it's just a short, quick answer. And if you want to look at what Simon Peter is doing, they have breakfast together. This is not something short and quick. Look at the questions that Jesus is asking before he really truly gives him what he's wanting him to do. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But as you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten your belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. 18 and 19 from our gospel text. It's a sacrifice. It's a change. It's going to where maybe it's not comfortable. But understanding that God's still going to meet us there and God's still going to work with us. And it's what inspires scientists to continue to go. That even though they might be rejected by the general public, that there is plenty of people within the science community who do agree with them and they have to let people know, even if the news is hard. And that's the world in which we live. Sometimes we get easy answers, but we all know that a lot of times the answers are much more difficult. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.